Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And this is a special listener mail edition, so we better call the robot over here. <laughs> Added fanfare for the robot. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we've been neglecting him recently. We've uh, been running the habit of uh, of just focusing on the episodes. And we continue to get all this great listener mail in, and we, we read it. We, uh, we really appreciate it. We respond where we can during our busy days. But uh, uh, eventually, we build up enough. We have to get to it we have to let the robot out of his lair and uh, and then this is what happens we devote a whole episode especially uh your your uh, feedback about names we received so many oh, man. emails about uh nominative determinism about how uh the name that we are given how it affects our ultimate outcome in life and our yeah. opportunities in life and how we see ourselves how other people see us and treat us and uh obviously everyone out there has a name everyone out there has uh, has some sort of an opinion on to what extent their name is affecting who they are. So we, we received a lot of cool content. We cannot go through all of it. No, but I, yeah. At I some point, some. I feel like we had something like six a day just on mm-hmm. nominative determinism. So, yeah, let them fly. All right. 
we heard from Polly, who wrote in and uh, mentioned that her name was supposed to be Apollonia, uh, which, of course, uh, is the god of music, poetry, art, oracles, archery, plague, medicine, sun, light, and knowledge. But she says her parents chickened out and named her Pauline instead. But she went back around and reclaimed Apollonia. Yes. And so she writes to us as Polly. Ah, okay. And also the Muse of Prince, you forgot. Apollonia. The Muse of Prince is mm-hmm. in Prince, Prince the, the singer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Purple Rain, one? I believe. Like, there's a character, Apollonia. Oh. I could be wrong. I remember there was a character in the movie Overdrawn in the Memory Bank uh, named Apollonia. But uh, that's that's my main uh, in for that name. All right. We also heard from uh, our listener, Jasper. Uh, Jasper was actually uh, given the birth name Luke. Uh, he says he grew up in a very strict, with a very strict Christian dad, and he was getting into the trouble, trouble all the time, so he associated that name with getting caught. And Luke, <laughs> of course, means light and an enlightened one and has the same root as the, as the name Lucifer. And so he ended up eventually rebelling against his former identity and choosing Jasper as his new identity, which, uh, which I think this is, you know, this is an important, uh, aspect in a lot of people's history with their names. You're sort of, either you're given one version of your name and you end up sort of shifting it into, into your own personal identity, or many people just straight up abandon it. Sometimes they're abandoning the simple name for the stranger name, mm-hmm. or it seems like just as often it's the, it's the, the opposite of that. They end up uh, taking the, the strange name and exchanging it for the normal one. It's kind of like yeah. the star belly speeches and the, the, the star machine, right? Yeah, I think I took the E off of my name at one point as, as a tiny youth. So you're a July? Speck of a youth. Yeah. And then another point, I, I think I wanted to put some umlauts over the U, but what's the point of that? Yeah. It's already Julie. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I just shifted around from various boring versions of my boring name. I mean, it's basically just varying levels of masculine and feminine. You have Robert, you have Rob, you have Robbie, you have Bob, Bobbin. It seems like a Robin. I was named, you know, people would refer to me as all of those depending on where they were in my family. Didn't you post something once that it was like the lifespan of the name Robert? Like as, as a young kid, the mm-hmm. boy is called Robbie? Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't take credit for creating it, but someone on the internet created this kind of timeline. Yeah. Where it's, uh, it's like the cycle of life in the, in the morning and the dawn of your years. I guess you're a Robbie. Robbie. You reach manhood and Robert, and, Robert and then in in the sunset years, you're Bob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now here's an interesting uh, uh, bit of feedback on the same topic, and this comes to us from Paige. Paige writes in and says, I'm surprised you didn't discuss or at least mention changing one's name in adulthood, or, or for that matter, in infancy. A friend of mine had to rename her child because no one could pronounce the original name. I was born with a name which stereotypically did not match my gender. There were several boys all through primary school with the same name, and perhaps that influenced my departure from the feminine. Apparently, at as young as five or six, I was in- introducing myself by different names, and at 15 started going by a nickname completely disconnected from my birth name. Nicknames changed, and eventually when I was 18, I worked out what would be a good new name for myself, then went down to the office of births, deaths, and marriages and changed it. I've been Paige ever since, and just hearing my birth name makes me uncomfortable. Did I perhaps change my destiny by changing my name? How does hating one's name and refusing to use it whenever possible affect things? How are babies or children affected when their name is changed? And how do children who cannot pronounce their names fare? My daughter has a speech impediment and cannot pronounce her shortened name, uh, Miwi versus Mili, let alone her first long name. Uh, thanks for the podcast. I've been listening for over a year now. Uh, and when I found you, I devoured them all as quickly as I could. 
Paige, uh, I I read this entire email because uh, on, uh, here on the episode because I, I think she did raise a lot of cool points. Yeah. She's going to be you know chewing over the uh, uh, the issues involved in in naming and and reclaiming a name or abandoning a name. I kind of feel like e- altering your name is a sort of rite of passage anyway, and it does seem to happen in those teenage years when you're trying to figure out what your personality is, who mm-hmm. you want to be in the world. Yeah. Indeed, and uh, and as far as the the speech issue goes, um, my son has uh, some is catching up on his speech mm-hmm. because he had uh, cleft lip, cleft palate, and uh, his name is is Sebastian, but he we just call him Bastion in the home because he you know he can he can say that easier, and I, and I also think I like little uh, toddlers seem to really go for more of the one or two syllables anyway, like that third syllable that's just something to trip over, so you might as well cut it down, um, but we also made sure that we named the new cat. A name that he could say easily because we're like we want him to be able to say the cat's name. We're not going to give it some crazy name like Zartanian or something. So we yeah. called the new cat Mochi, and that he can say. Yeah, um, one of my daughter's earliest little snuggly toys was named Esmeralda, uh-huh. and people would get so annoyed with us. <laughs> They'd be like, "What? Do you, she can't pronounce Esmeralda." What would she she call it? Um, she never really cottoned to it, so we never had to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm you know, shoot high. That's what I'm saying. Because they seem to come up with strength. Like if they if they can't or don't want to say all the the, the syllables and something, mm-hmm. they they're really weird about how they cho- pick and choose. For instance, uh, my son, for whatever reason, ha- is still calling water Ewa. Like why? <laughs> like clearly, you can say Wa, and you can, I mean you could you could you could hit it more on the head, I think. But instead, he's calling it Ewa to the point where I have to stop myself from thinking of it as Ewa. Because it, yeah. it it does it does sound I'll give him you that did, it sounds good. You did ask me to give you give you your glass of Ewa the other day, oh, and I was see. like, "What?" There you go. All right, here's another uh, bit of listener mail. This comes to us from Nathan in Australia. Nathan says, "My grandfather's name was Victor. He was a champion rugby league player, lawn bowler, and golfer." So there's an, another example of uh, of a name that may or may not have uh, have pushed uh, the, the individual onto victory. Right to Victor. be the victor. Yeah. Uh, and on a similar note, here's one from Victoria, also in Australia. We have a lot of listeners in Australia. She writes in and says, I thought you might be interested in a story about my name. As you can see from my email, it's Victoria Strike. But here's more to it, because you see, I'm adopted. Five years ago, I found my biological family, and their surname is Force. So, technically, <laughs> I'm Victoria Strike Force. My boyfriend, on the other hand, has been terribly unlucky. His name is Ben. Ben Layden. Or Bin Laden, oh, like Bin, Bin Laden, Laden, perhaps. Either way, close enough to conceivably cause some problems. Uh, I want to thank you for the podcast. It rocks and makes my daily train ride to work a joy. Thank you, Victoria. Uh, we had uh, Gillian write into us uh, and uh, give us some some very cool feedback on the episode and on uh, some other topics as well. But uh, pointed out that they worked in a hospital uh, where there was a doctor, doctor, the last name D O C K T O R. So, and people refer to the doctor as Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor, yes. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. 
Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And here's an interesting question, finally, that was brought up to us by uh, our listener, Zarek. Zarek, of course, has a, a very cool first name, if I may mm-hmm. say so, a very creative first name. So he, he mentioned that he, even though his parents were very fond of the name and uh, and, and, sa- and said that they, they made it up for him, especially he he felt uh, he felt limited by it. He felt like it wasn't his name. It mm-hmm. felt alien to him. Anyway, he asked, do you think you, quote, normals, unquote, could explain <laughs> to uh, a person with a weird, foreign, meaningless name what it feels like to have a common name? Does it just feel like nothing? Because that's more or less how I feel about my name most of the time. 
And that's an interesting question because, like I say, I've always felt like my name is boring, and I've always felt like my normal name is just, it's almost like a number I'm given. Like, I don't feel a particular attachment or identity to it. Yeah. I am just sort of, I am who I am in spite of having the name Robert Lamb. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that when you have a normal name and you're introducing yourself, people often misremember it as another normal name, like Shirley or Judy, mm-hmm. Julie, you know. And so, Zarek, I would say that people probably pay a little bit more attention to your name, maybe even more attention to you as a person because they don't automatically have these sort of common associations with your name. I think it's kind of awesome. Although, understand, like, if you don't, maybe there's a sense of otherness with that name that you might feel more than the average Joe. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like a situation where you, you can't really win. You give a kid a weird name, they're going to want a normal one. You give a kid a normal name, they're going to want a weird one. Mm-hmm. Maybe the solution is you, you have to give them both, and then they can sort of pick and choose which one they want to go with. Well, isn't there already that, that idea that this generation um, will need to change their name by age 18 anyway because of security issues and oversharing on the Internet? That is just true. So uh, in, I wonder to what extent the, uh, the normal, abnormal name shift will feature into that. Do you tend to have a crazier name during this rebellious wild stage, or is that when you have a normal name and you're rebelling against it? And if you're going to live to be 500 years old, as Aubrey de Grey, the biogerontologist, says, maybe just keep changing your name like every century, right? Yeah, just keep reinventing yourself because you're going to forget most of it, everything that's happened to you anyway, right? Yeah. All right, we got a couple of emails about proprioception, this idea of figuring out where your body is in space and time. And uh, here is one from Brenna. She says, I enjoyed your recent podcast. I am a therapist who works with infants and toddlers with special needs ages zero to five. Many of my kids have challenges with proprioception and children delays in proprioception often present as difficulty interacting with objects in themselves. For example, the children's song Wheels on the Bus encourages children to rotate their arms in a circular pattern around each other. Robert and I are doing this right now. Oh, yeah. It's a popular song now. It is. It's a good song. Children need motor planning and proprioception to carry out this action. However, because they don't yet understand where their body is in space and time in relation to itself, they often have greater difficulty with this complex action. And she goes on to say that... um, if they have delays in proprioception, it's not uncommon that their vestibular sense is affected as well. And when that's affected, it can be really difficult to manage proprioceptive needs. So you're talking about balance and coordination. And she says that in adults, you can kind of adapt. But in kids, it's really hard. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. She says because they never learn the skill to begin with. And so she says if there are any listeners with kids who have difficulty with proprioception or vestibular development, she wanted to share a couple of at-home activities that parents can do with their kids. Um, She says that Activities that involve heavy pushing and pulling, which in turn provide greater sensory feedback. Um, You can fill a wagon with toys to pull, pushing a toy grocery cart, or rolling weighted balls. She said that's a great start, but no more than 10% of their body weight for the pushing and pulling. You can buy a pop-up tunnel or a tent to give them practice traveling through different spaces. Again, we take all of this for granted, Mm -hmm. right? Um, She said a good old-fashioned pillow fort is great, too. And songs like Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. If you know that one, 
uh, if you're happy and you know it, ladybug. Uh, these are all good for coordination with body parts. And finally, she says that you could kind of create a swing with a, a blanket or a towel. She says she uses a toy parachute and she twists the ends together with the child inside. She gently lifts the child a couple inches off the floor and lets them swing from side to side. And that the kids love this and they pop their head out to see what's going on. Um, again, things that we take for granted, this idea that you're moving through space and time. And I was, I've was i always wondered about this because I've noticed that as my daughter develops, she's five years old now, um, when she seems to be going through a growth spurt, she seems to be falling a lot more. And I wonder if it's because the borders of your body are rapidly changing. Huh. And you don't, you're, you're not as, um, as familiar with how your body's moving through space and time. It's like having... Um iTunes or Adobe on your machine. It constantly needs the updates. And yeah. It's, it's, there, it, it, you can't keep up with the number of updates that are required to properly uh, orient yourself in time and space, perhaps. Yeah, and I also remember, too, that when I was pregnant, particularly in the third trimester, I really did not know where I was. I mean, like, I would go <laughs> through, I would bump into things all the time because I didn't really have a sense of the borders of my body, and I wonder if any other women experience that. So proprioception continues to be this really fascinating topic. Yeah, I have, we received another email uh, on the topic from uh, Michael. Michael uh, wrote in uh, with a, an email titled, Proprioception Glitches. He says, several years ago, I had a table saw accident that resulted in my left index finger spending a couple of months wrapped in bandages. When the bandages came out, my doctor told me to touch as many different textures as possible and to look at my finger as I did it so that my brain would know how to interpret the signals it was receiving. The damage to my finger followed by a long swaddling essentially rebooted my brain's relationship with my finger, and I had to retrain it. During this reboot process, I developed a habit of rubbing my index finger and thumb together. Several years later, I injured my thumb and was surprised to find that my index finger was also feeling the pain of the injury. Apparently, a few wires end up getting crossed thanks to my little nervous tick. Huh, okay. Um, here's another one about proprioception. This is from Jay in Tilsonburg, Ontario, Canada. And he says that when I was younger, I raced a bit of motocross and rode for fun uh, since I was eight years old. On a few rare occasions when racing as hard as I could, I would get into an almost meditative mind state where I would swear the bike felt like a part of me. I could almost feel the ground under my front tire as if an extension of my arms uh, and the, the field of traction left in the soil through the soles of my feet. While either in the air or on the throttle where I ended and the bike began felt blurred. This was also when I felt the fastest and most confident on the bike. Now, I was no superstar racer, so I wonder whether the pros or other bikers have had the sensation. Thanks again, Jay. Our boss, or sort of not boss anymore, um, Connell actually uses a motorcycle and he had said he'd mentioned before he uses that as his main form of transportation that when he's in traffic and he's on the highway that he gets into this meditative state with the bike because it's uh, such a trepidatious ride hmm. that he really has to focus all of his energy into to what he's doing on that bike and I thought well that's kind of interesting that sort of lines up with what Jay is saying interesting all right, we also uh, recently um, did a rerun of our episode on the science of beards, which is a popular episode, and to no one's surprise, it was popular again the second time. Uh, so uh, we received this one from 
Renee. Uh, Renee writes in, I'm sending this on account of the Science of Beards episode, which I listened to today while running. The topic of facial hair has always interested me. Why certain people prefer certain styles, different reasons why people have it, etc. I enjoyed your episode and thought you would like to hear some things I know. When you talked about Abraham Lincoln liking to wrestle and having a beard, I was surprised you did not mention the story of why he grew his beard. You might already know it, but here is some of the letter written to Lincoln while he was running for office. I'm going to summon my Laura Ingalls Wilder here. Okay. Dear sir, my father has just come home from the fair and brought home your picture and Mr. Hamlin's. I am a little girl, only 11 years old, but want you to be president of the United States very much, so I hope you won't think me very bold to write to such a great man as you are. I have got four brothers, and part of them will vote for you anyway, and if you let your whiskers grow, I will try and get the rest of them to vote for you. You would look a great deal better, for your face is so thin... All the ladies like whiskers, and they would tease their husbands to vote for you, and then you would be president. My father is going to vote for you, and if I was a man, I would vote for you, too, but I will try to get everyone to vote for you that I can. Well, there you go, from the from the mouths of babes, right? Talking about whiskers, yeah. how adorable. Making his face look thicker and more uh, more capable of taking a punch. I think she yeah. was like the first focus group. <laughs> yeah, accidentally, I think she was. All right, here's another one about beards. This is from Martin. Howdy from Texas, y'all. I just heard your podcast on beards as a bearded fellow. I thought I'd share some of my experience with the general public. I have had quite the mixed reaction to my beard, but the one thing that really struck me was that the larger portion of the younger generation has a positive reaction to my beard and is usually impressed, but the older, 30s and up, seem to have a more negative reaction. One 70-ish fellow even went so far as to tell me that society would fix me uh, and that if I didn't shave that bleep off, I'd l- wind up in a loony bin. Uh, the older people get, the more negative their statements. Uh, besides that, my girlfriend likes my beard, and most of my friends are in agreement that I look better with it than without it. That might be because I have a hatchet face. Oh, we doubt that. The podcast was the first uh, podcast that made me go to y'all's website, and speaking of faces, I was surprised at how y'all looked. Y'all should do a podcast about voices and faces and how we associate them. I thoroughly enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Martin. All right. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, we uh, we hear from listeners from time to time that are like, oh, my God, I saw photos of you guys, and this is not at all what I imagined, and I'm deeply upset because I imagined something else for you. Well, you know, he mentioned, you know, uh, Martin here is from Texas, and I instantly thought uh, to NPR. There is uh, there's one NPR reporter from Texas that's often fe- uh, featured. You've probably heard him, mm-hmm. and he has a real... Real Texan voice, but a soothing voice. Almost like there's a little bit of Wilford Brimley in there and a little bit of uh, uh, Mari Stouffer from the old uh, you know, uh, uh, wildlife show. You know, mm-hmm. Very soothing. And and so I form in my mind this kind of picture of this bearded Wilford Brimley-esque guy. Maybe a little uh, a little bit of that character from Parks and Rec with the big uh, mustache. Uh, okay. You know, uh, some of that going on. And then I look him up online and he's just a guy. Like, he does not look like my mental. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, he had a faux hawk. No, no, he, he had tats. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he's not on the, on the other end of the spectrum, but he's very much at the middle end of the middle portion of the spectrum where I just would not pick him out of a lineup as that voice any day of the week. I know. It is interesting psychologically what we do and we, we make up these, um, ideas of what people should look like. And I do that a lot in fiction. You know, so I, I can see how people, when they're listening to us, m- might be a little bit like, what? That's not you. Yeah. Like I think I said before, nothing irks me more than being 
uh, you know, many pages into a book, maybe even halfway through, and then the narrator decides to tell me somebody has a mustache. No, because <laughs> they need, if they I have refuse. a mustache, tell me like the first sentence. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
All right, we have an email from Will, and he is talking about our episode Heartbeat in the Brain. He says, hey guys, first time writing in, long time listener. While listening to Heartbeat in the Brain, Hole in the Skull, podcast on my way into work this morning, I found it very interesting as I do most of the topics. As I was listening, I couldn't help but think about a different kind of hole in the skull for quote-unquote medical purposes, a lobotomy. I first heard of the lobotomy procedure while at college. I went to college down the road from West and West Virginia at West Virginia Wesleyan College, which is home to the second largest handstone building in the world, now known as Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, when it was first built, though it was known as Weston State Hospital. As the new name implies, the Weston State Hospital was a mental hospital and operated from 1864 to 1994 and has a very dark history over the 130 years of it being open. I believe that either the history of Weston State Hospital or lobotomies would be an awesome follow-up after the Trepanation podcast. Always listening, Will. Um, thanks, Will. And uh, that just reminded me that in one of the World Science Festival panels that had to do with genetics, eugenics was brought up. Hmm. Because eugenics sort of, as they discussed it, um, proliferated during a time period in which a lot of people were being put in mental institutions. And they should not have been put into mental institutions, a number of these people. They might have been um, drug or alcohol addicts, or they may have just had anxiety problems in society's um, idea here in the late 1800s was just lock them up. At the same mm-hmm. time, you've got eugenics happening, and they're saying, maybe we could root out these sort of unsavory characters. And um, along those lines, people began to be sterilized. Oh, yes. In these institutions. Well, we also have a number of other things happening like lobotomies. And so I agree. I think this is a really ripe area for exploration. So it's not quite on the same level as the uh, the procedure that came up in our digestion series about the uh, individual who was treating constipation, chronic constipation, by removing the... Uh, uh, the large intestines and just rerouting it so you had oh, a direct right. shoot. Right. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were talking about that moment in Mary Rich's gulp in which they were talking about which president is it? Um, he had got shot in the liver oh, and so God. he couldn't be. Is that Taft? Yeah, I oh. think so. He had to be fed through the anus. Yeah, that, the rectal feeding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have anything no, to, I, to take No, I was not talking about rectal feeding, but the thank you for, know, that's for why bringing just, it up. That's why I just had nothing. that moment where I was yeah. like, I don't know how to get out of this, Robert. <laughs> help. Well, uh, let's get out of it by grabbing another listener mail from the robot here. This one comes to us from Yule. Uh, Yule writes to us and says, One of my favorite facts about the moon, which we recently did an episode on, is that it moves away from the Earth at a rate of about 1.5 inches per year. Over an average person's lifetime... 80 years or so, the moon would have moved around 10 feet away from the Earth. There's something comforting and strangely intimate about being able to visualize something that's happening on a celestial scale and relate it to one's time on this planet. Well, certainly, we can relate our, our time on this planet constantly to celestial movements, which is kind of uh, which is kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah, that, and I thought that was a beautiful email, and kind of in the sort of like Neil deGrasse Cosmos column yeah. of looking at the universe in, in a very big and poetic way. So thank you, Yule. Um, we have an email from Allison on Super Stimuli, and she attached a picture of Conan the Barbarian, by the way. Ah, uh, yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great film. Um, actually, I think this one is a different, a different Conan the Barbarian. Oh, but in is other this words, the one played by the guy from Game of Thrones then? Or the TV show, maybe even? I think so. Yeah. He's got giant pecs. Well. I'll just put it that way. That could be any Conan. 
Okay. She says, when I think of super stimuli, my mind goes straight to those big, tall, and muscular guys in action movies who don't really exist outside of bodybuilding and pro pro wrestling. It's such an unreal and unrealistic body type, but there's something so compelling about the image. I'm sure this is my version of the super feminized women in pornography. I can't imagine actually having a dude like that over for a potluck. I don't think he'd fit in the chairs at my table. So why do I go all gooey for them in movies? It's pure Super stimuli. Great episode. I love your pack podcast and I hope that you do them for a very long time. Thank you, Allison. And that just reminded me too of Joe Mangello. I believe that's his name. He was in True Blood. He played oh, the, the giant wolf dude. Oh yeah, the beard, the bearded guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that is super normal stimuli. So I think it's really interesting to look at it from the male perspective. We always think about the, the male gaze thinking about females and in porn. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, he's a handsome man. I'll give it to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I give, I will, I admit that he's a handsome man. That's what I'm trying. But to, to say. her point, you know, how how uh, practical is that when you want to have someone over for a potluck? You can't have someone crushing your chairs. Yeah, and then you don't want them to come over too. And they're and all they eat are, you know, they have some sort of diet where they have to eat two whole chicken breasts and then some sort of protein shake every meal because their whole their whole life is about building and maintaining this body. Um, now th- that's what I always remind myself if I'm watching a movie and someone is particularly ripped. Um, I remind myself, well, what does that person have to do in life but remain ridiculously ripped? That's kind of their job. Eat is- 20 roasted chickens. Yeah. And actually, I find that it tends to get in the way of uh, of a film narrative if the actor is unrealistically in shape. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually, I haven't watched this show yet, but my wife watched this, uh, the Mr. Selfridge show, mm-hmm. which is a PBS show about uh, Selfridge, the, uh, uh, the, the American who went to Britain and revolutionized uh, the, um, the shopping mall experience over there. But uh, Jeremy Piven plays the character, and there's a scene where, uh, you know, this dude, early 20th century, uh, is uh, has his shirt off, and he's like super ripped mm-hmm. in a way that you just wouldn't, and you just wouldn't expect that kind of body on someone uh, in that position in that time frame. No, that was very yeah. unusual, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like when you see super white teeth on an actor in a per- in a period piece. Like, you know, it's like super white straight teeth. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't look. You're you just by smiling, you're taking me out of the historical immersion of the picture. I know, but there's that whole willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you got to meet him halfway, Robert. I and I will. I I will meet them halfway on the fact that all Romans speak with a British accent, but all Romans shouldn't have teeth that look that perfect. Fair enough. All right, we've got one more super normal stimuli uh, email from Mike, who says, while listening to the episode, I couldn't help but think about decisions I make every day to either indulge or deny an instinct. And we're talking about here. The supernormal stimuli is that sort of thing where, like, you need a little bit of sugar, right? You need a little bit of energy, but you don't need a slice of cheesecake. He says, I would be interested in learning how the decision to deny an instinct works to result in a dose of dopamine. Let's say I decline a piece of cheesecake and instead eat a stalk of celery. Do I feel great because I use my imagination to calculate a supernormal positive outcome? Do people who make virtuous choices actually do so in order to indulge their dopamine habit? Hmm. Mm, I don't, I mean, I understand where you're going here. Um, cause we talked about this in the, the last episode when we were talking about the future of addiction is that if you want to replace a bad habit, you need to do it with another habit because the neural right. pathway has been established. So if you want to avoid drinking glasses of wine, go and exercise because you're going to get a high from that. But the celery stick, eh. Hmm. 
What if you did ants in a log instead? Get a little peanut butter in there. Yeah, some yeah. raisins. Well, I guess it brings up the power of, of of psychology. Like, to what degree can you trick yourself into to making it a reward? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the salary. I, I can't help but think of the uh, recent skit on uh, Portlandia, where uh, Steve Buscemi is on there uh, trying to rebrand celery <laughs> and make it exciting and sexy again. And all they keep, they can, they just keep coming back around to ants on a log as the only like real option to to make celery exciting. Because oh, other than, yeah. than that and soup preparation, you know, what do you do with celery? I would agree. You got to tart that up. Yeah. Yeah. Into a super normal stimuli. All right. So there you have it. We've, uh, we've cleared out the uh, listener mail a bit. Again, we, we don't have time to, to read or respond to everything that uh, you guys and gals send us, but we greatly appreciate it. Your feedback helps us know what's working, what's maybe not working, or, you know, what, what, topics we need to revisit, what topics we need to explore for the first time. Uh, we received lots of cool ideas, and uh, we would love to uh, continue to get those. So, hey, you want to find us, you want to reach out to us, you can uh, find us at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is our main site, our mothership, our homepage. You will find all of our podcast episodes, our videos, blog posts, uh, links out to our various social media accounts, including, including Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Also links to our YouTube account which is Mind Stuff Show. Be sure to go to that page if you want to uh, subscribe and check out all of our uh, cool new video projects. We're constantly thinking up new ways to uh, engage YouTube viewers uh, in science and in our Stuff to Blow Your Mind topics. Indeed. And uh, make sure to drop us a line if you have more thoughts. We want to hear them, and you can do that at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 